How y'all doing? Good, 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 good. Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, verse 18. I want to talk to you about a new thing. New thing. No, that's a wild thing. A new thing. Isaiah 43, 18 says this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Oh, 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 man, does some people need to hear that? Do not dwell on the past. Some people live in the past. They replay their past over and over and over again like an old movie. They put the DVD in their brain and they just hit play and repeat. And they relive their failures, relive their mistakes, relive their disappointments, relive their heartbreaks. You, you can never grow in your faith if you do that. You have got to break the DVD. You've got to get rid of the repeat button on that player. Instead of going back constantly over and over again, dwelling on the past, God says, forget it. Get over it already. You can't change it. Do not dwell on the past. You have to make a determination. I will not let my past dictate my future. If you constantly dwell on your past, it will control you. It will affect your future. And uh, and, and and it's not like, uh, it's not a hard thing to do sometimes, but you need to do it. And I certainly, you know, it's not like I've got a, a perfect history in life. I've made all kinds of mistakes. Man, I've, it's how I learned. Everything I learned is because I've messed up somewhere. <laughs> did something stupid. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, why did I do that? Oh, I should have never done that. What a moron I am. You know, and on and on and on. But I learned from it and moved forward and just know where to avoid the pitfalls instead of living in those pitfalls. Paul writes about this in Philippians verse uh, chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet uh, to have taken hold of it. The it that he's talking about is perfection, if you read it in, in context. Uh, he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I'll tell you, sometimes it, it really is a straining. You've got to really work at this. Life is not easy. And people a lot of times get so disappointed when life isn't as easy as they think it should be. And it just frustrates them. They think it should be easier. But it's not. Life is hard. And it's okay. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. That's, that's one of the promises you don't find in the promise boxes. You don't pull those out. In the world you will have tribulation. I don't like that one, you know, and go find another one. But he says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But it's not without trouble. It's not without struggles. It's not with, there's a straining. People say, you know, how, how have you gotten to where you are in life? And the answer is on purpose. On purpose. How have you been married for 33 years to the same woman? On purpose. How have you gotten to where you are in ministry? On purpose. You, deliberately. You, straight, you forget the past. You learn. You grow. And you strain. You press. You move forward. He says in verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me in heavenward in Christ Jesus. In verse 19, in Isaiah again, he says, See, I am doing a new thing. <laughs> 
I love that. God is always wanting to do a new thing, a fresh perspective, a new way of approaching things. Uh, the psalmist talks about sing a new song unto the Lord. Say, well, I like the old songs. Well, that's fine. But there's something about the new song, the new, a new approach, a new way of doing things. But it's very difficult for people because most people aren't really crazy about new. New really kind of freaks a lot of people out, particularly if it's really different from their past. And the more new it is, a lot of times the more resistance you'll get it, particularly in churches. Jesus told this parable in Luke chapter 5. He said, no one tears a patch from a new garment and then sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. He says, no, new wine must be poured into new wineskins, flexible wineskins. And he adds this one in Luke. He says, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new. For he says, the old is better. Boy, if that is not a, a phrase that is heard throughout, I've heard in churches all my life. The old is better. Let's do it the old way. We ain't never done that like that before. We can't do that. Why not? We ain't never done it. That's why. Well, that's not a reason. Back in Isaiah, he writes, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Can you not see it? And man, if that is not the question of the hour. For many of us, never see it. There are so many in the Christian community who have always been so resistant to any new approach, anything new that God is doing, any kind of change, and it so freaks them out, they just can't see it. And they willfully close their eyes to it. Most people perceive new things as a threat. And it's not a threat, it's only a threat to the old thing. It's really not a threat at all. It's just, it's, there's a newness, there's a freshness. God is always creating. God is always doing. While he stays the same, he's still doing. His, his nature stays the same forever. The same yesterday, today, and forever. But his, his way of approaching things and challenging people and, and, and touching the world constantly is changing. The world is changing. And as Christians, we need to be on top of it. I look back over the history of, of uh, just even the last 50, 60, 75 years. And so many of the things that the church should have been jumping on, they ran from because it was new. You know, like television. You know, when television came out, you know, it was devil vision. And, uh, and, and sure enough, a lot of it is. <laughs> but you know what we should have been doing, man? We should have been buying up all those TV stations. We should have been the first ones on top of saying, man, here's a great opportunity. Here's something that could change the world. We can talk to millions of people through this medium. But instead, we just fight stuff. We fight it. Music styles. Oh, my goodness gracious. Anybody been saved more than 25 years? Anybody out there? Oh, the fights we used to have over that stupidity. Man, I remember when I first got saved, I went to a Bible camp. And uh, they had this... uh, <laughs> they had these, uh, you know, 
competition, you know, like kind of an American Idol thing, you know, for camp or whatever, trying to find the, the, the latest, greatest, you know, Jesus stars or whatever. And, uh, and I, I had just gotten saved. I was just kind of a hippie kind of guy. And, uh, me and my brother and, and a couple of guys got together. We put together a number that we thought was pretty restrained, actually, you know. Uh, and, uh, it really was. I mean, by today's standard, it was nothing. But, uh, you know, um, different people got up and played. La, 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 doing their thing, and we got up and did our thing, and you know we had guitars and you know this song for Jesus and stuff like that. Well, good night. The older people like came out of their clothes, just ah, freaking out, screaming. And I, brother, your guitar needs to get saved. They said to me. I mean, they were all over us, screaming at us and hollering at us, and they thought it was just horrible, horrible, horrible. The kids loved it. You know, we won the contest. <laughs> you know, but oh my goodness, and the threat, and oh, we can't have this. You know. Back in the, you know, late 60s, early 70s, a lot of, you know, evangelical fundamentalist churches, man, if it was anything more than an organ or a piano, it was evil. And, uh, and boy, man, have we come a long way today, you know, it's just, thank God. But good night, I was, I was at a Southern Baptist church a couple of years ago, and uh, I'm behind stage getting ready to come out to speak. And on the stage, they've got this huge band, they've got two drummers. At the same time on a big thing, you know, praising and worshiping God. And I just stood there and shook my head. I thought, man, this is a Baptist church. <laughs> you know, 30 years ago, they'd have stoned me to death for anything like that, you know. But oh, just fighting and fighting and fighting and just so resistant to these things. Thank God. The churches that adapt and change are the ones that God can use doing new things. Different worship styles, you know. Uh, can freak people out. Um, different different ways of doing church can freak people out. You know, uh, my my approach is you know I like to take a very contemporary service, but I like to try and mix in some of of traditional stuff in it. That why? Just because I like that. That's that's kind of my spiritual DNA. I, I I love that kind of stuff. But a lot of times, any kind of changes just makes people very very nervous. He continues to say in in uh, Isaiah, he says, "I'm making a way in the desert." And streams in the wasteland. In other words, what I'm doing is impossible. I'm doing a new thing, he says. Can't you see it? And what I'm doing is just flat out impossible to do. But he's challenging them to embrace it. The one thing about the Christmas story this whole time of year is these people embraced the impossible. And what a phenomenal thing. Now, I was looking at, uh, I want to take a look at uh, Luke, the first chapter, verse 5 here. And uh, I want to take a look at John the Baptist's parents. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, he was a snake. But uh, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So they were of the priestly tribe, okay? Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. 
But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Now keep in mind here, they've been praying for decades. They were now old, older people. And this should, this should be all way impossible by now. And finally this angel shows up and says, You're going to have, your wife's going to have a son named John. And he will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. He was completely set apart to God. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah asked the angel, How can... I be sure of this. He doubted. He says, I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. How, how can this be? How, how can we get there? I don't understand. How is it possible? We've got so many obstacles. We've got so many things. I've got so many challenges in my life. I've got so many problems. You know, I've failed so often in my past. How can God turn my life around? When the angel answered him, he said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, you little nitwit. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Which is beautiful. I mean, it was just a sovereign work of God. It didn't matter if he believed it or not. Uh, a lot of times we don't have that luxury. If you don't believe it, you won't experience it. In this case, God had a perfect plan and he was going to make it happen whether he believed it or not. And uh, uh, he, he made him silent. And he, could, he came out, the Bible says he came out of the prayer time. He couldn't talk. He had to write to people and, and try to explain he'd seen this vision and stuff like that. And just, everybody thought, wow, what in the world happened to him? But uh, I, I, love, I love what the angel did to him. He, he, he basically told him to shut up. <laughs> you know, don't you wish you could do that to some people? Just go, zip, and they can't talk, you know. Well, I don't know about this, and I don't see how that's possible. I tried it. I I prayed once. I prayed once, and it didn't work. <laughs> Man, I'd, I'd pay good money for that. That that power. You know, just a hush. Seriously, if you're having a hard time really believing God in your life, you know, probably best not to say it. You know, always doubting, 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 question. I don't know how it can happen. I don't know how it can happen. You need to really hush. And just let God be God in your life. Grow in your faith. He said, well, it doesn't matter what I say. Yeah, it really does. And it certainly did to him. Because when he questioned, how can this happen? He got himself in all kinds of trouble. You know, I... I had a story, a thing that happened to me many, many years ago. It was just kind of a bizarre thing. I was, I was working late uh, one afternoon on, on a Saturday by myself. And uh, I, was, I was at the office. This is, uh, goodness, almost 15 years ago now. But uh, I remember I was, uh, I was working with a piece of equipment. And I dropped it or something. Anyway, I just scraped up both my arms. You know, it was like, real deep, you know, kind of thing. Not like I needed stitches. But, you know, those sometimes are the worst. You know what I'm saying? You know, I put an an axe in my leg once. It didn't really hurt that bad. <laughs> Seriously.
seriously, because it's so sharp, you zip, you go, I mean, it still freaks you out. Ah! You know, but not a whole lot of pain until later it finally says, but boy, you scratch yourself good, it's like instant. Ah! You know, it's like, oh, ow, 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 and I grabbed it. I said, oh, Lord, heal this, and I'll never forget it. It was like every healing verse in the Bible I had ever meditated on flashed through my mind and there was like this perfect moment of faith in me it was the oddest thing it really kind of freaked me out I remember going whoa that was weird that's just an owie you know what I'm saying it's not critical here it's just ow and uh it's kind of bleeding a little bit. I was like, well, I had to finish working and stuff like that. And, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still working. And, and all of a sudden, I felt this really warm sensation on my arms. And I thought, what is this? What is this? And, and, and I turned and I looked. And I'm telling, this is just telling you. It's a stretch to tell you. But I was there. I saw it. Before my eyes, I could actually see the wound starting to close up and start climbing up my arm. And I just freaked. I've never seen anything like this. You know, it's like a special effect movie thing. And I'm going, ah, 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 ah. I just, what do I do? What do I do? And I kept looking, ah, ah, oh man. And I was, I was so excited. I went, I don't believe it. And then it stopped. And I went, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. But, but it was too late. And, and, I, and to this day, it was the most, you know, because there's sometimes you pray and you travail and you're hanging in there and you're trusting God and doing everything. He's like, oh, you know, it's hard to even move a step. You know what I'm saying? And here's this, this little nitwit, ow, you know, and all of a sudden you start seeing something. It's something, a supernatural act that had nothing to do with anything. It wasn't a big crisis in my life. And the only thing I can figure is God was trying to teach me, quit saying stuff like, I don't believe it. I can't. God, you can't. Little things like that will really hinder God's work in your life. You have to understand, God responds to faith. It is faith that gets God's attention. When you have a confident attitude in God, this is how God begins begins to move. So, now, we jump a little bit in the story now to, to the 26th chapter. This is now in the six months, God sent the angel Gabriel, same guy, on another mission, goes to Nazareth. A town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of a greeting is this? You know, it's not just like a hi, how you doing? But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And I look at her. She says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Now the angel doesn't get mad at her. And when I first read that, I thought, why is that? When, when uh, Zechariah questioned, but with Mary, and, and I had to look at it, and then it dawned on me. Look at the difference. 
Zacharias says, how can this be? But Mary said, how will this be? You see the difference? I mean, it's okay to ask questions. And you know, how are you, God, how are you going to pull this off? But it was in the context of the positive. God can do this. How will you do this, God? Since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Uh, this is John the Baptist's mom. And she who was barren, who, who was said to be barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And the way she ends it, she says this, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. The responses are completely different. One questions how can, the other one responds, how will you do this God in my life? And the bottom line is at the end, there was total surrender. Total surrender. May it be to me according to your will. Now, you have to understand, Mary was no fool. What was being asked of her was very troublesome. She was now going to become pregnant and try to sell to the rest of the fam that this is a miracle. Now, how many people do you think believed her? I mean, honestly, you know, Mary's pregnant. How did that happen? Well, God did it. Yeah, right. So she was immediately put into a situation of shame and humiliation. Joseph tried to divorce her quietly. He, she was pledged to be married to him, tried to get rid of her. And, and of course, God had to speak to him to don't do that. Uh, but, but he doubted it. Of course, he would doubt it. I mean, come on, this, this is quite the stretch here. So in this humiliation and in the embarrassment of the family, how awful that had to feel. But she knew going into the situation that would be so difficult for her. Her response still was, God, whatever you want, I surrender to you. This is how this miracle starts to come to be in her. Well, then, of course, things are going along and she's, you know, then they, they got to take this stupid trip over to, you know, Bethlehem because of the census. Now she's... I don't know how long the trip would have taken, but she's easily eight, eight and a half months pregnant, you know, traveling at the blistering speed of one mile per hour. You know, they have her on a donkey, you know, makes it look so romantic, you know, the pretty music playing and pulling her on the donkey. You know, I've never been on a donkey, but my guess is being pregnant on a donkey's got to really stink. How awful is this now? taking this long trip and she goes into labor as they hit town. Now they had relatives there, but apparently they didn't have time to find wherever the relatives, you know, who knows where they were at, if they were in town or a few miles out of town but now she hits, they hit town, go into labor and there is no place for them. No place for them. And the only spot they can find is in a barn. So here she is now in a barn. Have you ever been in a barn? Not the loveliest of aromas in a barn. Not the cleanest place. Not the warm and fuzzy you would think. Especially 2,000 years ago. I bet you it was really delightful. You know. Can you imagine how many of us would have reacted at that point? 
Where's God? Where's God? God, you promised that I would be highly favored, that I would be blessed among women. And now here I am and everything in my life stinks, literally now. Hardship after hardship, humiliation, embarrassment, long stupid trip. I can't, I'm going into labor and it's an emergency and and I'm stuck in a barn. Where is God in the midst of this? I'll tell you, a lot of us would have lost our faith right then and there. A lot lot of us, we'd have never gotten there. We'd have checked out with the donkey trip or before. But in the midst of that, she stayed surrendered to God. A number of years ago, some archaeologists uncovered some letters written by martyrs during the first three centuries of the church's formation. There's this great letter that that one of these guys wrote. I want to read it to you. This is what it says. It says, In a dark hole, I have found cheerfulness. In a place of bitterness and death, I have found rest. While others weep, I have found laughter. Where others fear, I have found strength. Who would believe that in a state of misery, I have had great pleasure? That in a lonely corner, I have had glorious company. And in the hardest bonds, perfect repose. All those things Jesus has granted me. He is with me, comforts me, and fills me with joy. He drives bitterness from me and fills me with strength and consolation. How do you get there? How do you get to a place that in the midst of misery... You stay solid. In the most difficult of circumstances, you stay true. When things become the hardest, you don't lose faith. Paul knew what it was. In Philippians, he wrote, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I do too. How many of you know what it is to be pretty broke? Anybody ever experienced that? You know, I've been pretty broke and I've had money. I've got to tell you, having money beats broke all the way around the block. <laughs> you know, it's not even a contest. But Paul writes this, he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want. I have discovered the secret. I I found it. I finally found it. I found what Mary found. I found what these martyrs found. I have found what people of faith throughout all of life have discovered. It's a secret. I found the secret. Have you found the secret tonight? Do you know what the secret is? To be happy no matter what. We don't get it today. I watch people so often just give up on their faith. As soon as things become new or different or changes or suffering. Any of the above we've talked about tonight. They just lose it. They just give up. People in their marriages. You know, this is a classic one. You know, they'll stay married as long as, you know, he's not too much of an idiot. Or if she doesn't whine too much and just, you know, uh, and then they say, you know, uh, we're getting a divorce. And I say, why? Well, because things are so horrible. They've gotten worse than I ever imagined. I said, well, when you stood before God and said, for better or for worse, what did you think worse meant? 
But they literally take worse as an excuse to get out of their commitment. Instead of remembering it was part of the promise. People give up all the time. When things get hard. They cough it up. They surrender. They lose their joy. Instead of being lit up with a life of God in them. Instead of being full of hope and excitement. Weight. Burden. Discouragement. Questioning. How can God let this happen to me? You preach about God turning things. How's he going to turn things around? How can it happen? How can it happen? I'll tell you how. By complete surrender. This is the secret. Here's the secret. The very next verse. He says, this is what I've learned. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. This is the secret. You get there by total surrender. Be it done unto me according to your will. I trust you, God. God is not, I don't measure how much God likes me or dislikes me based on my present circumstances. Based on my feelings. Based on my state of mind. God is bigger than all of that. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When you discover that secret, then instead of up and down, Things are good. Things are bad. Things are good. You start evening out. Things happen terrible. You must be sad. No, I'm not. Things happen great. You must be really happy. Not really. What is it? I'm content. I'm content. Because I've learned the secret. I'm loved. I can trust God. He loves me. I know that I can handle. He'll never allow too much for me to handle. It's a wonderful promise. You've got to get this. He will never allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. It might feel like it. But he'll never allow it. He will always be there for you. We can do all things. I can do all things. This church can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Our strength doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from good. It doesn't come from evil. It doesn't come. It comes from Christ. He gives us strength. When you learn that secret. Oh. What a glorious thing. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer tonight. Oh God, it's so easy to talk about these things. Not so easy to live them. Lord, when we're faced with changes, new things happening, different things happening, things that we don't want to happen start happening. When it seems like circumstances are too big for us. When, when the suffering gets to be too much, when, when the negative circumstances seem to swallow us and bury us alive, God, help us to stay in a place of trust, of contentment, knowing that through you all things are possible. As the angel said to Mary, for with God anything, anything is possible. God, help us to believe that. Help us to get to a place of faith where we believe your promises more than our experiences. Where your word, your assurance becomes more real to us than what we see, feel, or experience. Help us to grow in our faith. 
God, help us to truly experience the Christmas story in this way that no matter what we are asked to do, what the challenges come before us, that God, we can stay in a place of surrendered joy in knowing you. Thank you, God. As every head's bowed and every eye's closed, if you're here tonight and you've never experienced this wonderful thing we call faith, maybe you've heard about Jesus all your life, maybe you've gone to church all your life, but you've never truly surrendered your heart to him. You've never asked him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, to have this personal relationship. I'd like the entire congregation to repeat this prayer along with with you and all of us. If you'll mean this from the bottom of your heart, Jesus will come into your heart and change your life. Let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I ask you to come into my heart to take away my sins, to help me to experience the impossible in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Well, bless you guys. Y'all glad you came out to church on a Wednesday night? Have we got a copy of that book anywhere? Where is it? Right there. If you pray that prayer for the very first time tonight, I got a book I'd love to give you. You can get this at the guest services counter back there. It's a little book that says, Getting Started in Your New Life with Jesus. It's written by my brother, Eddie, who's also in ministry. It's a great little book. Anyway, I'd like to give it to you absolutely free. So on your way out, just stop by and say, Can I have one of those books? And they'll be happy to get it to you. It'll be a great little thing. So make sure you follow through uh, and do that if you pray that prayer for the first time tonight. And, and really begin to experience this wonderful thing. I tell you, it's, it's, it's such a liberating place to be when you can actually live above your circumstances. In different, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we all feel it. I get it. I hate lousy days. I get bummed like everybody else. I just don't let myself stay there. I like it when things go good. I don't like it when things go bad. I mean, I'm human like everybody else. But I don't, I don't let that absorb my life. My life is not based on my circumstances. It's based on his love for me. And this is what keeps me from going crazy. <laughs> and I live on the edge. You know, it's a wonderful thing to have that security and that the, the knowing. The more you can really get this, the more you will experience God. The more you will begin to see that which you thought for sure was impossible. I know a lot of you are facing circumstances, troubles in your life, things that you're up against. It seems impossible. That's okay. Don't let that dis- discourage you. The impossible is when God starts moving. Everybody wants miracles, right? But you, you don't get a miracle till you need one. Everybody wants miracles, but nobody wants to need one. You know what I'm saying? Don't let that... This is an opportunity for God to move in your life, to help you grow in your faith. Be encouraged. Have a wonderful... You know, this whole time of year gets a little crazy. You know, everybody running around and, and going to see family that you only see once a year and... There's a reason you only see him once a year. You know, just <laughs> because twice would be too much. You know, I mean, there's all the pressures and stuff, and people spending money like drunken monkeys and all everything. You know, just be careful with all. In the midst of all the running, enjoy the season, and 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 don't let you know your your experience dampen your heart if you're not having good experiences. Be of good faith. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful wonderful rest of the week. See you Sunday. God bless.